Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello there. How you doing, everybody? Thanks for coming back for another great episode of Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. And now we're going to dig it out to that band. Yeah. All right. Love it. That band. That band. Bells and whistles. Yeah, they get better every week. Well, this episode, 101 Pounds of Fun. What the hell does that mean? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about body imagery and a few other things. Then we're on number 15 of the 20 Jokes So Terrible, They're Actually Funny. Then over on the B-side, more about 101 Pounds of Fun and uh, how I came about for that. Uh, And then, of course, listener feedback. Because, you know, what's a podcast without listener feedback? So welcome new listeners, welcome aboard this crazy sleigh ride, skateboard ride of a stream of consciousness podcast that I call Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience, a show where I kind of choose the topic and flip on the microphone and turn on the brain and here we go. And of course, welcome back, long-time listeners, binge listeners, sporadic listeners, however you listen, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you coming back, as I'm sure you know. Now, before we get into the main portion of today's show, let's talk a little bit about last week's episode. Last week's episode, holy crap, I made it, episode 100. Yeah, I made it, 100, well, this is 101, so it kind of makes sense, all right? (laughs) Um, During the opening... um, I, I re, as I was editing, I really realized how pretty darn cool it was to see those four different openings and how they progressed over the years. I hope you enjoyed that, too. And then over on the B-side, I spoke about some video games, and I totally, totally forgot to mention stuff I play on my phone right now. Uh, one of the long-time games I've been playing for a long time is Simpsons Tapped Out. Um, I just kind of picked up Disney Emoji. Uh, I also just found Disney My Kingdom, which is kind of fun. You create your own <laughs> Disneyland, Disney Resort. Uh, Gordon Ramsay Dash, just because I got hooked one day. I don't know. <laughs> and sometimes The Sims, but it takes up a lot of memory on the phone, so usually not The Sims. And then overall, I hope you all enjoyed the 100th episode. It was a lot of fun to try to put together there. You can find that and all past episodes at changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. you also find us on iTunes and Stitcher, of course. Find us over on Facebook, facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast. Send me an email, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at CILpodcast. Join us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash 
Changes in Latitudes podcast. And also, starting with episode 100, that was last episode, I'm releasing a very special, only available on Patreon, mini-podcast called Unplugged. Be sure to check that out. So go over and join Patreon today. This episode is brought to you by the wonderful, wonderful patron, Dan W., Dan, thank you so much for being part of the Patreon family of supporters. I really appreciate it. And now I think the housekeeping's done. Let's move into the main topic. Here we go, main topic, 101 pounds of fun. Now, before we get into really anything, I'll announce to everyone listening, of course, I'm on my portable recording device to get this done on time for you lovely, lovely people. Now, I chose, well, kind of like episode 99, where, you know, 99 bottles of beer, (laughs) only because of the number of the episode. I did the same thing for this episode, 101 pounds of fun. It it comes from the song Honey Bun from the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical South Pacific. I don't have the information directly in front of me, but it was a 50s Broadway hit that was made into a movie. And I remember seeing this play, musical, for the first time when I was a kid. I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, and it was at a community theater production of it all. And they were actually performing in a school, a school auditorium in the San Fernando Valley where I grew up. And I just remember being so enamored by it. It was just so much fun. And and it was just a wonderful experience overall. Now, really, the reason I wanted to bring up this particular topic is because when you break it down into, you know, the actuality of it all, 101 pounds, that is an extremely low weight for, for any grown adult. I mean, for any grown person, really. Um, unless you're under five feet. And, and then maybe, only maybe would that be appropriate for you. Uh, I mean, height, weight, proportionate. And so it leads me into, you know, body imagery. Uh, I've mentioned it many times in the past, how I feel that uh, a lot of our uh, cosmetic industry uh really does a number on our culture and society, you know, buy this product to look this way. You're not good enough unless you use this particular product. Your hair is not the best unless you use this particular shampoo. Your skin is not the best unless you use this body wash or this lotion or whatever it is. And and I'll say there are some legitimate things behind those products, of course, or else they wouldn't be on the market for so long. I mean, Oil of Olay has been around for forever, and that's because their product is a good product, and it does pretty good things, depending upon which version of Oil of Olay you purchase, but I digress. Uh, but uh, 101 is just so lightweight. <laughs> And it makes me start to wonder about these young boys um, entering into second puberty when they may have had some gender identity conflicts in their life growing up and not being able to talk about it for a number of reasons. Friends, family, culture, society. You all know what I'm talking about. Most of my listeners have been there where you have this deep, dark secret 
any nature that you just cannot share for whatever the nature of the, the secret is. And so if you've got these young boys that are struggling with their gender identity and their gender expression and they fall victim to these commercials of you know you have to look a certain way to be a woman you have to smell a certain way you have to act a certain way and without any guidance and without any structure of letting them know that no no this is just society saying what you what they think you should do not what you actually should do it can be probably a big conflict within their own brains. Because then, like I've said before, what I've done, and I'm sure many of you have done, when you've wanted to search out more information about transgender or any gender identity, you know, variant, most of the time your search results are going to come up with the less than appropriate adult websites. Because, well, that's what's prominently out there. I mean, <laughs> as as uh, as the saying goes, you know, the Internet's for porn. And it's true, that's where a lot of the money is made. I mean, there's other monies being made elsewhere, but that's like the number one thing on the, on the Internet is, is porn. And, and so when these young boys find only that information and maybe find another person that's similar to them, maybe only five or ten years older, and for that individual, the, um, the fetishized side of, of being a trans woman specifically is what falls into their wheelhouse and allows them to accept it within themselves. For example, a young impressionable boy searching out answers about, you know, trying to understand his own gender identity and why he has the desire to express himself in a feminine manner comes across some blog or something run by someone who's only five or ten years older. And it happens to be in the realm of the, uh, the, the, the fetish most people know as, you know, sissies and feminization and, and degradation and humiliation and things like that. And, and they may latch on to the feminization of it and the possible possible sissification of the of the concept of this particular fetish only because that's what feels comfortable to them like i've said before on past episodes i labeled myself and lived my life as a crossdresser announcing that i was a crossdresser now i know in hindsight that's not the correct thing for me but back at the time that's what fit and so if these impressionable young boys are finding these, you know, more fetishized side of, you know, the lifestyle of a trans woman, <laughs> that may be the only outlet they know. And so they start exploring that realm of life, and it leads on a path that may or may not suit them later in life. You know, this, this, this whole understanding may only work for five years or so, and then they're lost again, and they have no idea where to go. And then I hope, you know, they find something like myself, like this podcast, or even Dara Hoffman Fox's website, or a number of other sites that are now out there. But only five, ten years ago, those sites didn't exist. And the only thing you really could find, as I've said so many times before, are the adult-oriented sites. And that's not a good place to get education from. Not when you're trying to figure out who the fuck you are. 
So, so they see this, you know, feminization thing that's out there on the internet and think that, you know, oh, I have to be a certain height. I can only be a certain weight. You know, my, my nose is too big. My chin is too big. My ears are too wide. They stick out. My hair is too thin. My, my hairline is receding. And so they start beating, beating themselves up because they're not fitting into the mold they think they should fit into into the body imagery that has been thrust upon our society from so many different ways. I mean, I mentioned before, you know, the cosmetic industry and then the uh, fetish of feminization and sissification. And, I mean, I'm sure we can all imagine, you know, I don't want to say wasting, but spinning our wheels in an area that is not going to benefit us in the longevity of life. And so they get stuck into this this whole rut of of the sissy boy, the 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 feminine husband, the what are other ones out there? Um, forced feminization, forced chastity. Um, you know the the whole fetish of being, you know, changed turned into a woman into a into a girl or not even not even like that just being emasculated into you know somewhere in between male and female and i'm not now take please understand i am not knocking that particular fetish if if that's a fetish that works for you and you completely understand it then run with it own it live it love it I'm talking about the impressionable times when you're trying to figure yourself out. And, you know, you look at so many different options out there. And because there is so much, oh, secret support for this, you know, sissification, feminization, fetish, you can easily, easily fall within that realm. And then I'm so thankful that at the other side of the spectrum, there are, you know, shows like mine letting people know that that's not the case. Websites like Dara Hoffman Foxes, other transgender podcasts, other transgender sites, other transgender people putting out YouTube videos on a vlog. I mean, the resources are now there in 2016. But five years ago when these people were looking for answers, it's not. And so they get this convoluted idea of what they may or may not need to be. And it may not work for them. And then they get this whole, you know, thing in their mind that they've got to be a certain way. And that's just going to mess them up in the, the long run of life. Now, let's step back and just think of this fetish, this sissification, this feminization fetish that seems to be very popular out there, at least by uh, a quick Google search. I mean, the amount of sites out there are almost scary. Um, do these individuals that fall within that realm, and I'm going to call it a realm of gender fluidity or gender queerness, because, you know, in, in the everyday world of society, they're they're guys. They're their they're their male self out in the world, you know, working a job, going to school, living life, whatever. And then behind closed doors on the weekends or evenings or whatever, they're the woman of their dreams, we'll say. So I consider that more gender fluid because one way you're one gender and another way you're another gender. 
or another gender expression even. And so I feel that, you know, this, that particular fetish of, of feminization and sissification and emasculation and things like that falls under the transgender umbrella. As I've said so many times before on the show, transgender is an umbrella term for anyone that bends or blends the gender binary. And if you're blending it, you know, during the day you're a guy and at night you're, you're a girl, well, there, there you go. Gender fluid. You're fluid between the two genders. And so I don't think we should knock down or degrade even further that particular fetish only because it is just a simple fetish and it's more a sexual thing than it is a lifestyle or an embodiment or an expression or a gender identity. It may not fall within the, you know, the black and white concept of, you know, being transgender, going from one gender to the other, or from one gender to a blend of the others. I I, fall, I call it gender fluidity because you're going between the two. Now let's get back onto this whole 101 pounds of fun situation. I don't know why, way back in the day, even... 40s, 50s, 60s. Why an unhealthy weight like 101 was considered the ideal, was considered attractive, was considered, you know, what, you know, what men want. I don't understand how our culture and society got brought into that low weight concept because in our long time past history, the more voluptuous you were, the more well-fed you were, the more desirable you were because you were healthy. And usually because you had the money for food, you came from wealth. And now, in our weird society, we've gone the other direction. Be skinny and be attractive. Not so much now. It's starting to change in the last year or two. In about 2014, 15, 16, body images really made leaps and bounds. And learning to love yourself as you are and not having to conform to what, you know, society says is acceptable or should be acceptable or what have you. So I'm glad it's changing, but we still got a long way to go. So where did anybody think that unhealthy weight was a good thing? Like I said before, unless you're, you know, under five feet, you know, four foot six, four foot seven or something like that, only around that height would 101 be more acceptable. I don't think it is acceptable. I don't have a chart in front of me to say, you know, ideal weight with ideal height, but I'm sure you can follow along and understand what I'm saying. You got to be really short for 101 pounds to be a healthy weight. Speaking of weight... Now, this goes to some of my older listeners, older in the sense that you're around my age or a little older, or maybe even just a little bit younger, not too much, though. And that is, have you noticed since like the late 60s and 70s into the early 80s, so from that time frame till now, 2016, how in general, at least in America, our Body shapes and sizes have changed. Everybody was extremely skinny and extremely, uh, well, I don't want to say healthy, 
uh, more active in the late 70s, 80s than they are now. And so therefore, our whole body weight has changed. And I, and I, and I, I don't want to say I blame, but I'm going to point the finger at computers because there are now a lot more desk jobs where people are sitting in front of a computer for, you know, six to eight to ten hours a day versus back in the 60s and 70s when most of the jobs were, well, a little more physical, a little more walking around, a little more stocking of things, you know, moving, you know, moving a product from one point to the next whatever that may be, you know, from the warehouse to the shelf up front or, you know, um, a delivery route where you're walking things or, you know, having to go pick up supplies and bring them back to the store or something. It was a little more physical back then versus now where most people sit because we work computers. As technology has advanced, our jobs have changed. I mean, it's just part of the culture. But in that, in just that, oh, 30-something years how much our average weight for the you know the average person has gone up more people are overweight now than they were back then and i also blame the fact that fast food stores and processed foods are everywhere and that's you know i can, I can my observation about that is because back in the 70s you still had you know one income families where one parent Back then, usually the female, not always, but usually, was the one staying at home, doing housework and taking care of the house and all that stuff, and and the kids and things like that, where the, the other partner, usually the guy, was out, you know, making a living. So there was time during the day to prep food for dinner. You know, time during the week and the weekend to prep food for dinner. Then as we move towards the 80s and more and more two-income households started to pop up everywhere, we needed faster food, food that would be prepared faster and still taste okay. So now you got all these processed foods, you know, you pop them in the microwave for a few minutes and then, you know, they're ready. Or you throw them in the oven for 20, 30 minutes and they're ready. Or you just add water or, you know, so many different options as far as that's concerned. So uh, our culture and society has completely changed, going from a very active lifestyle to a very sedimentary lifestyle. And so that has thrown out the whole, you know, be skinny concept, at least I think, um, because now it's not as easy. Also, gyms started popping up everywhere. I never saw gyms as often as I do when I was a kid. You had like one Gold's Gym in every big city, one or two Gold's Gym, and that was it. And only the people that really wanted to work out and build up and bulk up their muscles are the ones that went to those places, not your average everyday person that wants to drop 20, 30 pounds, 10, 20, 30 pounds. So there's, uh, you know, an observation of how culture, life, and things have changed around us. And so it makes me wonder, you know, if the song was written today, <laughs> would, it be, would it be 151 pounds of fun? Or something like that. I don't know. Um, oh, back on processed foods. Um, and then, I mean, aside from the fact that there's um, fast food on every corner, all those fast food places, at least 
way back in the day had these jumbo size and super size and make it even more food for just a little bit more money. And so I blame that marketing and, and you know, product placement and things for another reason why our culture and society has changed as far as weight goes and less activity goes. And the movie size, movie size popcorn and movie size drinks. The average movie is about two hours, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. The average movie. You don't need to consume a 64-ounce soda in two hours. You don't. I mean, 64 ounces of soda, that's probably good for at least a day. You don't need any more soda past that. And the amount of popcorn, then popcorn on its own is not so bad. It's You put the butter and the salt and all that other wonderful movie theater stuff on it. And that's what changes that. And then you got the supersized candy, the huge sizes of candy. I mean, these, these, these you normally wouldn't consume this much in a, in a two-hour or two-and-a-half-hour time span. So why is watching a movie more acceptable to eat that stuff? Just different things that have happened in our society and culture. Ultimately, should something be done? Yes, something should be done. I don't know how fast we're going to see, you know, movie theater size items and super size and jumbo size items disappear. I mean, I can start seeing some of the fast food places getting rid of it and making more, you know, ingestible sized items. But uh, no, I, I think it I think it definitely needs to change. One of the things I'd like to see in our society are desks, you know, for people that work a desk job with a computer for eight to 10 hours and six to 10 hours, whatever it's going to be for you. I'd like to see desks that accommodate some sort of physical movement, whether it be like a treadmill built in or a bike or, you know, a stair climber or something like that. That is where I see um, a change being made. If we can get people who sit for, you know, six to ten hours a day to be more physical while they're working, I think we'll see a bigger change then. And let's face it, how many times have you been sitting in front of a television or a computer or, you know, a a portable mobile device watching something on Hulu or Netflix or YouTube or something? And then realize, holy crap, 20 minutes have just gone by. 45 minutes have just gone by. I can't believe the time went by so fast. If you were doing something physical, just like even just walking, just simple walking on a treadmill, in those 20 minutes, those 40 minutes for a show on those you know stations I mentioned, those websites I mentioned, right there is going to increase your physicality and increase your metabolism and all the wonderful things that people say when they talk about getting exercise. But the companies don't want to invest in stuff like that, business companies and corporations. They don't want to invest in desks and things like that because, well, one, they take up more space. You can fit two people sitting at a desk in the same amount of space it's going to take one person with some sort of treadmill or something connected to their desk. So, it's going to take a while, but I think that's really where the big change is going to be. Uh, That and also corporate America allowing their employees to have more physical time than just their, you know, half-hour lunch and two 15-minute breaks. 
during which you usually have to eat, go to the bathroom, take care of any other business, quote-unquote, you know, return a text or a phone call or jump on Facebook or who knows, the, so many options to do on a 15-minute break or half-hour lunch. But that's only an hour out of an eight-and-a-half-hour day. That is your time to do something. And, and let's face it, folks, two 15-minute breaks is barely enough time to go to the bathroom, do what you need to do in the bathroom, kind of decompress for a moment, you know, whether it's on your phone or a phone call or a game or chit-chat with, an, with a co-worker that's also on a break or take a walk around your, your complex, your building, you know, whatever your thing is, and be more physical. Uh, there's not enough time for that. Businesses are not allowing enough time for that because they want to make their money as much as they can. There's no such thing as overtime anymore, built in overtime. Back in the day when corporations were, you know, budgeting their crap, they would budget in overtime, depending upon the business needs and all that stuff. They would budget in overtime. Not anymore. Because businesses are realizing that it's costing them more in labor, more in taxes, and more in other uh, benefits and things. So no, they don't want anybody being on overtime. That's why nobody hardly ever gets overtime anymore, the average person I speak of. So they're not going to give more time to their employees to do what you know should be done for their employees, you know, health-wise, give them a little more chance to take, you know, if they could give... They, the corporations of America, could give their employees each, I don't know, what, what a half hour. A half hour on top of the half hour lunch and two 15-minute breaks. If they could give them a half hour to use the gym facility, because a lot of corporations seems to have some sort of gym facility as an excuse to say, well, if you want to walk on your break, there's a gym downstairs. Yeah, but there's no time to take a shower. So you're going to go downstairs, work out, or walk, or Stairmaster, or whatever, and come back up to your desk smelling like sweat because, you know, there's not enough time to take a shower. But uh, if they allowed a half hour every day outside of the norm stuff for physical activity, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, a treadmill, a stationary bike, a walk around the complex, or whatever the facilities may be, or a Stairmaster, or some other something to be physical on. If they, I don't want to say mandatory, but if they allowed just a half hour for their employees to do that, I think it would be a lot better for the employees' morale. I think their cost of health stuff would go down because there would be less, you know, medical needs for these individuals high blood pressure or oh gosh there's so many different things that can happen from being you know too sedimentary but when, once these corporations do make that change then we're going to see other changes but that's not going to happen for a long time so is 101 pounds of fun actually fun no no it's not <laughs> not by today's standards not at all and now let's hear from Tom Slayton 
When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Tom Slayton, TomSlayton.com. Folks, show Tom some love. He helps out the show so much, and it's just a wonderful relationship. Thank you so much, Tom. This week, we're looking at TomSlayton.com forward slash three small words. Now, this is actually something he wrote. This is one of his writing entries, journal entries, if you want to go that route. And at first, it looked like just an interesting uh, picture because of the thumbnail that was there. And then I opened it up and went, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. So let me read it. How I feel. Three small words. I ask myself too much. And as for everyone else around me, perhaps not enough. I feel as if I've lived my entire life making other people happy, pointlessly documenting my anguish, pain, disappointment, and dissatisfaction of a wasted life in a book's written pages. I thought my greatest achievement was publishing the details of my childhood, specifically naming those responsible for making it disastrous and filled with turmoil. But what did I get? Did I get revenge? I realize now that I should have run away from the pain a long time ago, learning from the consequences of my misplaced trust and mistakes, that the past simply can't be undone. The gift I have been given shouldn't be wasted simply incessantly documenting my own obscure sorrows for the world to read, even though doing so has become vogue in recent years and draws many curious readers. The past is gone, and I must always remember this fact. There were good times and bad, triumphs and frustrations, love and heartbreak. There are many moments in my life I wished would have lasted longer than they did. Moments I wish I could have captured, to prolong and mold, as if to make my childhood dreams a picture-perfect map of reality. Childhood dreams don't come true, as the child who dreamed them has grown and many of those dreams may be lost, though never forgotten. I'm older now and much more wise and focused than perhaps at any other time in my life. I have to make more plans and wishes for what I would like to see come true, though not to despair over plans which had to be postponed or modified in some way. There are so many things I wish I had said to some of my closest friends, but didn't. And yet there are a few things I want to say to those same friends to let them know how much their friendship has meant to me. But I haven't. And there's a good chance that I won't, for fear of being judged and or losing the relationships. In life, we often neglect to say the things that need to be said, or to simply express how we feel. But it's important to say those things that need to be said before it's too late. All my life I've been a little different. I didn't always go where the other children went. I was never interested in sports or shallow team building or get-to-know-you games. Instead, I was always and still remain fascinated and drawn to intellectual pursuits, writing, photography, and personal reflection. This website being an extension and cumulation of my passions and the things that fascinate me. I spent my childhood mostly indisposed, seeking my own entertainment and solitary pursuits, such as exploring, building various mechanical and soldered electrical devices and writing. 
I considered myself one of the lucky ones, as my parents supported my pursuits and often give me the tools and materials in which to build the things I designed often in my mind, while at the same time many of my teachers hated me for being far too advanced for their taste. In 1994, I read the book Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach, and it remains one of my favorite books of all time, even to this day. One of the best quotes from the book said, This is a test to see if your mission in life is complete. If you are alive, it isn't. And as for friendship, don't be dismayed at goodbyes. A farewell is necessary before you can meet again. And meeting again, after moments or lifetimes, is certain for those who are friends. Though our life, love, and interpersonal relationships are often subject to constant and often unexpected change, the book literally changed my entire outlook on life. At times when I feel my focus might be amiss or going astray, I open the book to a random page and start reading. In my life, I've seen many incredible things. I've seen a wide range of triumph, defeat, brilliance, and frustration. The choices I have made in my life have taken me to many different places, allowed me to experience so many different things. And yet, even today, I feel somewhat dissatisfied, as if regardless of what I've seen, heard, felt, witnessed, or experienced, or even accomplished, it simply hasn't been enough and probably will never be. I have a seemingly insatiable craving and desire for adventure, knowledge, and to see unbelievable things, and even possibly add them to my collection of curious artifacts. It has been so long since I've seen something truly amazing, even longer since I gazed upon something that I believe that nobody else has ever seen before, even if that thing was a tiny, often overlooked facet of something much greater. I suppose there is no better time than now to let the next adventure in my life finally come to fruition. As my life is fleeting, it seems as if there are not enough hours in the day to accomplish all the things I set out to do, once I find them, yet postponing them to a later date often results in their never being done, or simply done way too late as often happens. When someone asks me those three small words, how I feel, it causes much introspection, far above and beyond the commonplace answer that is often given in popular parlance. So there's a few words of introspect from the great Tom Slayton. Go check him out. TomSlayton.com forward slash three small words. And tell him Charlie sent you. Twenty jokes so terrible they're actually funny. I found this on Tickle.com, published in June of 2015. This week, number 15. Two fish swim into a concrete wall. One turns and says to the other, Damn! That's right, 20 jokes so terrible, they're actually funny.
Hey, we made it. We're over here now. Hi, how's everybody doing? Uh, long-time listeners, absolutely, and probably most listeners, binge listeners included, know that I live in the Southern California area. And uh, most people are aware that we are in a major severe drought and have been for a number of years. And the ad campaigns to inform us, hey, conserve water, save water, have really increased all over the place. Billboards and mailers and television commercials and radio commercials and bus bench ads and I'm sure there's more. I just can't think of them right now. But it's it's getting pretty bad. I mean, so much so that the advertising is telling us to let the lawns go brown. You know, stop watering your lawns. We don't need luscious green lawns anymore. It's 2016, not 1950. So uh, they're you know telling us to reduce, uh, telling us to reduce the amount of water used for washing clothes, washing dishes. Uh, be very conservative when you wash your car. If you wash your car, it, they're actually encouraging people to take it to, you know, those those locations where you can just drive through or get a hand wash or, you know, everybody's got those places. They're all over the place. And that's because the drought is getting very bad. I mean, that's probably why you may have seen the increase in costs of California exported fruits and vegetables and things. I mean, I've noticed the cost living here. I mean, it's gone up. It's kind of crazy. So... So they've been telling us all over the place, hey, save water, save water, save water. And we do our part here, of course. You know, we don't take long, lengthy showers and, you know, use the uh, energy-saving settings for the dishwasher and the washer, the clothes washer. We have energy-saving appliances, so that's, so that's a step in the right direction. Energy-saving and water-conserving, so, you know, we, we've, we've made that step. And usually when we hand wash dishes, the water's on very low. There's an aerator regulator on the tip of the faucet. So we're very conscious of trying to save water. You know, instead of dumping out a glass of water in the sink, we take it outside to a plant or put it in the animal's water bowl or something. Now, I told you that so I could tell you this. On the same block that I live in, meaning they see and hear the same things I do, the stuff that gets put on the front door, the bus bench ad at the corner, the television commercials, the radio commercials, they're exposed to it as well, okay? Especially the door-to-door letter, okay? A letter from the water department saying, please conserve water. I mean, so much so that we were regulated to only water our lawns on certain days at certain time frames, So, uh, water lawns and plants and things. I mean, potted plants are different, but lawns and things like that. I mean, that's how, again, that's how bad it is. And these people, these neighbors of mine have been exposed to it. I know they have because, because they live in the same block as I do. And over the last year, it's really the height of the, you know, conserve water awareness ad campaign that's out there, uh, has really, really, uh, shown it's really taken off. And there's two people on my block. One, this one lady, every time she waters the lawn, and it's a smaller sized lawn, it's not a huge lawn, but nonetheless, it's a lawn. Every time she waters it in this past year, she didn't follow the time restraints and the day restraints. She watered whenever she wanted at any time of day, which anybody that knows anything about watering, you shouldn't water in the middle of the day, but yet at times she did. I don't know, whatever. 
But more importantly, she turns the hose full blast. She doesn't have some sort of handle or aerator or nozzle of some sort on the end of the hose. It's just the end of the hose. Turn it on at full blast and then waters the lawn. She pinches the the neck of it to create a spray, puts her finger over the, the tip of the hose, you know, that sort of thing. And waters the lawn and then waters all her plants at full power. And I don't know why. I mean, yeah, more water goes out. And you, the you know the the task happens faster, but that's not necessarily the best way to go about it, at least in stuff I've read and from my own personal experience. So there's one. She and she overwaters. Water runs down the driveway, which is another thing they said. Hey, make sure water doesn't run down the driveway. If it happens consistently, you could be fined. So you know you got to be aware of this. So she's not as bad as the other neighbor. But I mean, she's got her she's got her things. But she's not as bad as this other neighbor. This other neighbor, at least once a week, washes two cars in the driveway. Yes, turns off the hose in between the getting it wet and rinsing it off process. Turns off the hose, which is just a good thing in general. I mean, regardless of you know drought or not, unless you're you know also watering plants at the same time that you're washing the the cars. But I digress. Anyhow washes the cars at least once a week, maybe once every two weeks. It, maybe it's one a car every week, so each car gets alternated. I, I haven't studied them that hard. It's just stuff I've seen, specifically with this car washing neighbor, in the last two months, roughly. Anyway, they're out there and washing the car, and lo and behold, running down the road is this, you know, this overflow of water that's running down right into the gutter. And unfortunately, we're subjective to what happens in a lot of neighborhoods. Uh, somebody had a tree in their yard, and the root system overtook and, you know, moved the concrete and moved the asphalt. So now there's, you know, divots and bumps and things like that, which is, you know, basically normal. Except for the fact that some of these bumps and divots block the water from draining into the sewer system. So, therefore, our sewer system doesn't get washed out enough, and it builds up and backs up because of just normal wear and tear and junk that happens. So, that's one thing that's a pain in the butt. But also, there's this puddle right in front of a driveway that happens anytime anybody in the, the area where the water is flowing to this divot, this bump that stops the water... Anytime anybody waters or washes their car or what have you, it flows right there. So it builds up quite frequently. Anyway, so they were so these these neighbors wash their cars. And I'm not saying don't wash your car. I'm saying be water aware. That's what I'm saying. And the amount of excess water that flows off the cars down the road, not acceptable. Every time there's this overflow of water, in my opinion, far too much water than you'd need to rinse off this car. And these are not, you know, large trucks or vans or anything. They're, you know, four-door sedan sorts of vehicles. You know, they're not oversized. They're mid-sized vehicles. And it, it just astonishes me the amount of water that runs off. Again, washing cars, okay, I understand you want to take care of your car, you know, the paint, and you don't want stuff, debris and dirt and exhaust from the road and all that stuff on the outside of your car. You want to take care of it. Okay, you know, you want to maintain the look and the resale value and whatever your reason is, I get it. I get it. It's cool. Maybe use less water when you wash your car. That's all I'm saying. But the creme de la creme of, of this whole thing is in the same house that washes their cars. One of the residents, it's a married couple, I'm guessing, 
but one of them I've seen on two occasions outside watering the plants. Number one, in the middle of the day when you're not supposed to be watering plants, late morning, early afternoon, it's too hot. You're going to burn the plants. Which, okay, fine. If that's when you want to water your plants, fine. Go and water your plants. But the thing that pissed me off the most is she was hosing down the driveway. Now, any of you Southern California residents that happen to be listening to the show or people that have come from Southern California, you know that we have been encouraged not to do that for at least 15, maybe even 20 years. When we first had a big drought issue, and I was in, I think I was just out of high school or almost out of high school, so about 20 years They've been telling us, don't hose down your driveway. It wastes too much water. It's not good. And I mean, because I used to do it as a kid with my dad in the late 70s, early 80s, because, you know, nobody knew at that time. But, you know, flash forward about 10 more years and they're saying, don't do it. And here we are, 2016. And on two separate occasions, recently, within, within like, you know, probably, probably within two months, probably hosed it down once a month. Hose down the driveway and the sidewalk and their little walking path and uh, I think the garage door as well. The garage door, okay, I get that. Water's probably the best way to wash and clean your garage door. I get it. But use a bucket and a brush, okay? Your driveway, use a goddamn broom. Use a broom for crying out loud and save some water so the cost of our water doesn't go up and the cost of our crops doesn't go up. That's, that's really the meat and potatoes down to the nuts and bolts of this ultimate thing. Aside from the fact that we only have a limited supply of water, yes, that science information's there. Go look it up. I'm talking about living here in California. The cost of our water is going up and the cost of you know, vegetables and things that are grown with water, specifically water. Not, I know animals drink water, yes, but I'm talking about fruits and vegetables, things that need water to survive. That's their nutrients, aside from, you know, stuff from the soil and all that. So I'm saying, cut it out, save some water. But ultimately, I'm astonished that these people that are exposed to the same marketing campaign of conserve water that I am, in fact, probably more so because, like I've said so many times in the past, I don't really watch network television. I don't see normal commercials. I see more commercials at the beginning of YouTube videos and advertisements in games that I play than I have on network television. I don't really listen to the radio, but the few times I've heard it, I've heard these advertisements. So if me, my limited exposure to terrestrial television and terrestrial radio, have heard these, you know, conserve water marketing campaigns, then I'm damn sure that these people have as well, because they're probably more typical and watch regular television more frequently. And this is, this is a middle-aged couple, middle to older couple, middle-aged to a little older couple. And, I mean, I understand, you know, old ways are hard to break. I get that. But be aware of the world around you. That's, 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 that's ultimately what I'm saying. Now, also over here on the B-side, with the title of the show, 101 Pounds of Fun. As I mentioned before, that came from the show South Pacific by Rogers and Hammerstein. And I, I don't have the information in front of me. But uh, I'm sure you can Google it. It's from the 50s, 60s, I believe. I know the movie's from the 60s. And it is, it is just a, a great 
love story of the period of the time period that it's meant to portray. And it's, it's just a fun, you know, old style Rogers and Hammerstein musical. It's great for that. A lot of standalone songs. I'm sure you've probably heard the standards. Um, Some enchanted evening, happy talk. You've got to be carefully taught. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, it's dated. Yes, but great, great fun show. And then, as I said before, I saw this when I was, I don't know, eight or nine at a community theater show and i remember it being really good and then i don't know a year or two later i saw the movie and i realized well the female lead was pretty spot on to the female lead in the movie as far as you know in my mind as an eight-year-old but the guy was nowhere near uh the guy from the movie i apologize for drawing blanks on these people's names folks as i mentioned earlier in the show i'm using my travel mic i have limited internet access and so i don't have the the i don't have the ability to look it up right now so i'm sure that if you go ask your local google you could learn all about south pacific so here we have 101 pounds of fun from rogers and hammerstein's south pacific My doll is as dainty as a sparrow Her figure is something to applaud Where she's narrow, she's as narrow as an arrow And she's broad Where a broad should be broad A hundred and one pounds of fun That's my little honey bun Get a load of honey bun tonight I'm speaking of my sweetie pie Only 60 inches high Every inch is packed with dynamite Her hair is blonde and curly Her curls are hurly-burly Her lips are pips I call her hips Twirly and whirly, she's my babe, I'm her pap, I'm her booby, she's my trap. I am caught and I don't want to run, cause I'm having so much fun with honey vine. I am caught and I don't want to run, cause I'm having so much fun with honey bun. Believe me, Sonny. She's a cookie who can cook you till you're done. Ain't being funny, Sonny, put your money on my So as I said, it, it's from an archaic thought process lifestyle way back in the day. We've grown a lot as a culture, but we can't turn our back on where we came from. And so... There's 101 pounds of fun. Now I got another song to share with you over here on the B-side. This was sent in by Allie Rose. I mentioned it during listener feedback back in July. And it's Ice Cube's Do Your Thang. Allie likes it because if you're feeling sassy and proud of being trans, and it just rings true to her. Uh, The chorus is, do your thang, man, fuck what they looking at. And that's what rings true to Allie. So Allie, thanks for sharing this. Ice Cube's Do Your Thang.
your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. I'm in that hot thing, gutter lane, dipping with that wood grain. So fucking hood, man. They call me the boogie man. In that slow lane, what is your whole name? I forgot this whole name. I'll call it Lois Lane. Up on that boulevard, 24s rotate. Ice Cube coming through. Got to make the hoes wait. Roll at my own pace, nigga. Don't hate. Fuck all you fat fuckers leaning up against my paint. Ice Cube, I still a little paint. Movie star. Fuck you, poor nigga, little drink. Yeah, yeah. That's how it's going down out here in California. Listen to my people when the nigga hit the corner. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Mirror, mirror, on the wall. Parking lot, nigga, find a parking spot. Fired up, everybody wanna spark a lot. Up, up, pass. We out on the ass, looking for a big fat ass to harass. Is it you? Uh-huh, I see you looking when we roll by. Pussy still cooking, freaks get cooking when they looking for stars. If you don't like my face, bitch, look at my car. Keep it simple. I told you once before, it really don't matter how I get you to the mo. It really don't matter how I get you in my low. Just hop. Let's go and let your friends know. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Mirror, mirror, on the wall. Who is the finest one of all? Do your thing, girl. Fuck what they looking at. We the dogs getting chased by the pussy cat. West Coast baby, with so much gravy, you should call the Navy. Ever since the 80s, I've been doing good. They've been doing bad. When I see you walk by, I'm pursuing that. But never taste it. My game is so basic. Soon as I lace it, baby wanna taste it. Just face it, put me to the test. Ice Cube, ace it. I'm built for success. Fuck a rock star. We wanna party like a rap star. In the club, in the house, or the backyard. You make it rain. With ones, I make it rain with huns, and we get lap dance from nuns. They put away they crucifix, and they say, Ice Cube, boy, you the shit. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Do your thing, man. Fuck what they looking at. Mirror, mirror, on the wall. And that's what's been happening over on the B-Side. Mm-hmm. 
listener feedback. Yeah, here we go. Listener feedback. This week, it's going to be quick, short, and to the point. Uh, this week, I want to give a big shout-out to uh, listener Dan W. Dan W. just came a new patron over at Patreon, new within the last month or so. And, Dan, I just want to say thank you so very, very much for all the likes and the comments that you give over on Patreon for all the Patreon posts. I want to say thank you so much for joining me over there, interacting with me over there, helping me keep the uh, posts alive over on Patreon. I want to say thank you so much. It really means the world to me when I see that you like something or that you left a simple, even just a simple comment on the posts whatever they may be I want to let you know thank you Dan thank you so much for participating in the conversation and and being a patron of course that that almost goes without saying but of course I have to say it so Dan thank you so very much for what you do for changes in latitudes thank you so very much Wow, we made it. There it is. There's the closing music. Holy mackerel. I, I didn't know we'd make it this uh, this episode, to be quite honest. It was uh, just kind of all over the place, I'll say. So next episode. Next episode. I am so excited, so delighted to be able to say I have my conversation with Lee Harrington. If you don't know who Lee Harrington is, Google search that name. Go find out who he is and find out what he has done because he is an amazing person. He's a trans man who shares his story, shares his journey, shares his outlook on life, and it is just an amazing, amazing conversation. So join me next week when we start the first part of my conversation with Lee Harrington. As always, I'm looking for people to interview. I'm looking for topics to talk about. Send them my way, changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com. Also, be sure to visit changes in latitudes podcast.blogspot.com and click on our Amazon link. Why? Well, every time you shop through our Amazon link, you send pennies on the dollar back to help out the show. So there you go. There's the reason why to go to changes in latitudes.blogspot.com and click on the Amazon banner link. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. And if we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. So, take care of yourself. Take care of somebody else. And you bet your ass I'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Know that I love you. been listening to changes in latitudes a transgender experience i'd love to hear from you so let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the facebook page at facebook.com slash changes in latitudes podcast 
or at the website, changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, Please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. Here's the end. You made it. Thanks for listening. And remember...